Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing Jane Austen adjacent films. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we're discussing Miss Austin Regrets. You can watch this film with your BritBox subscription. You can get a free trial through Amazon or the BritBox website. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod and give us a like on Facebook. Also, remember to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your thoughts. But before we discuss this sad, sad film, ladies, <laughs> what you sippin'? Y'all, I am drinking a very decadent hot chocolate. I just prepared it. It's some hot chocolate powder, a little bit of <laughs> Louisa's, which is like a, I think it's like pecan hazelnut coffee liqueur. <gasps> that with sounds some, so good. So good. Also has notes of caramel in it. And I also put some Irish cream in here. So it's got a little bit of some mixture in it, but it's really, really good. And it's just, I don't know, it's what I need right now. It's just very soothing. And I've been listening to a lot of books recently. I've discovered the wonders of the audiobooks from the Georgia Public Library System. Yeah, girl. Yeah. And I've listened to, I have been easily listening to like three to four books in like a week and a half. So this hot beverage plus some audiobooks is like my ideal evening right now. That's amazing. My husband and I had to drive through the night to join my family on a vacation the other night. And so during those eight hours, we listened to the first Harry Potter on audiobook. And I was mm. just amazed. Beth has been telling me to listen to audiobooks forever. And I haven't, but I did. <laughs> I didn't regret it. Yeah. The guy who narrates the Harry Potter, Harry Potter books, I think his name is Jim. I absolutely love him. He has an amazing voice. A doll. Yes. All right. What about you, Lori? What are you drinking? Well, I'm currently sipping on some, uh, spoiler alert, not alcohol, um, some Tazo passion tea. And um, Brits, close your ears because you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Um, I leave the tea back in. (gasps) That's a sin. Only, only. Only, only for my fruit teas. And let me explain. I like a strong fruit tea. Like I don't want it to taste like I dipped a lime in the water and then it just disappeared. Um, I want it to like punch me in the face with flavor. So that's why I leave it in. Okay, Britonians, you can open your ears now. (laughs) I do have to ask though, do you microwave your tea or do you boil it on the stove? I feel like I'm going to get hate again. Um, And I would like to say this is exclusively (laughs) because I don't have any of my own things out right now. Um, I'm living with my parents. Yay. And I I do love them. That's a yay of excitement of being with them. Um, But all of my stuff is packed and stored. So I don't have my kettle. So yes, Julia. I had to microwave my water. It was that or use the Keurig. And the Keurig has only run coffee K-cups for possibly its entire life. So it would taste like coffee water. It would not be a good look. I even made my hot chocolate with a kettle, Lori. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, it's funny, Lori. I think you and I kind of switched places tonight. You've got tea and I'm drinking wine. What? (laughs) I have a Chateau Saint Michel Merlot from 2008, if you're wondering. So, sipping on that tonight. And I've just got to tell you guys about a discovery that I made literally today while I was manning our Instagram, which you should go follow, by the way. <laughs> I discovered that Angelina Jolie used to date and is purportedly dating again. The infamous Johnny Lee Miller from the 2008 Emma starring Ramala Garai. Our very own Mr. Knightley is dating Angelina Jolie. Who knew? It was wild. (laughs) So incredible. Yeah. The group chat was shook. 
I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Truly shook. Between that and then Free Britney today, it's been a wild group chat day. Yeah, Free Britney, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, this week we watched Miss Austin Regrets, which I think was actually a miniseries at one point, but it's only an hour and a half long. I was really confused because I was on Amazon. I was trying to buy it and it kept saying like, buy episode one or buy season one. And it was the same price and there was only one episode. (laughs) And Ben was like, don't you need to, like, watch the other episodes? I was like, no, I think I think it's just this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Ben and I watched Miss Austin Regrets together. Don't know why he watched it with me, but I was really <laughs> grateful. Um, I don't want to give too much of my personal feelings away before I tell you what it is. But, basically, Miss Austin Regrets is something that follows Jane later on in life. I think she's in her 40s around this mm-hmm. time. And... It's kind of a tale of like some of her heartbreak and looking back on past relationships, a tale of uh, love and loss. And it's a really interesting look at her life that I had never seen before. It's pretty unique. Um, The most similar thing to it is the movie Becoming Jane, which is actually incredibly different. So this is a BBC production that takes a look at Jane's life and her relationships with her family members. Um with past lovers, with current flirtations, and it especially centers on her relationship with her niece, Fanny. And it kind of chronicles Fanny falling in love, asking Jane for advice, and you kind of see the harshness um, that Jane has developed towards love and how that plays out in Fanny's relationships. Uh, I thought this was really interesting but before I share too much, I'm really, I just really want to know what y'all think. Because I feel like you have very different opinions. Like we all have very different <laughs> opinions. So I'm dying to know. One thing that I thought was really cool about this movie was that in addition to kind of seeing her love stories, I felt like it was very kind of Shakespeare in love-esque in that you almost get a taste of the inspiration, how she gains inspiration for some of her novels. I felt like it's specifically persuasion. Because I could be wrong, but this movie and then some of the history research I did made me feel like it uh, definitely is somewhat influenced by her life, as well as different aspects of all of her novels. Um, But I really liked this movie. It was definitely sad because any of you who've studied Jane Austen know her life. Um, You know, she didn't get the happy endings that she wrote for all of her heroines. But I I still really enjoyed getting to watch this movie and kind of learn more about her and think about her career. Personally, I am very conflicted on this film because it made me very sad. And I don't like sad things at all. Um, so it did not help my mood at all last night. But in reflection over the course of today, because I watched it yesterday And then through a happenstance, Beth was watching Loki and we were texting back and forth and it was very confusing. We thought we were talking about the same thing. We definitely weren't. (laughs) I still haven't watched the newest episode. So no spoilers, Beth. A conversation over multiple hours in which the whole time Lori was talking about Miss Austin regrets and I was talking about Loki episode three. (laughs) I've just got to say those are two very different versions of Tom Hiddleston. (laughs) (laughs) Why I was confused. (laughs) So anyway, upon further reflection today, I do like it. I just hate the fact that it made me so sad. Um, And there's definitely aspects of it that I don't love. But like overall, as a film to be sad about, I guess I liked it. I don't know. I'm conflicted. I did not really like it. I didn't like the style of it I didn't like the way that it was shot and I just honestly I felt like the story was really confusing and maybe it is because in my head I'm just confusing a lot of the details with becoming Jane and then the things that I do know about Jane Austen's life I think they were all kind of getting jumbled together and it just I don't know it was just weird to me I didn't really like it I didn't like the way that they portrayed Jane So overall, I was not a very big fan. I will say, even though I did enjoy this movie, there are definitely things about their portrayal of Jane Austen as a person that I 
did take some issue with. And I think we'll talk about that later. But I think the main draw for me is if you're a person who likes the Shakespeare in Love thing, where you get to really think about an author's kind of career, and they they used a lot of book quotes. Jane would quote herself in her novels mm-hmm. a couple of times. And I just think things like that are really cool. So if you like that kind of thing, and you don't mind a sad movie, because you're like me, you're a Marianne at heart, then you probably will like this movie. <laughs> I will say that there definitely are a couple of like weird, like there's one historical inaccuracy that I'm kind of like, <clears throat> about. And then I agree, there's definitely something about their portrayal of Jane that I do not like, like I have it written down multiple times, and that I'm sure we're going to get into. Mm. Well, I think I was really surprised by the audience reception to this. I I don't know. I just thought it would be more negative, but it has a 70% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 7.1 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Those are pretty respectable ratings. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised that, I don't know, this did better than Austin Land and a lot of the other movies we've watched. I'm just kind of surprised by that, but maybe it's just because I didn't like it very much. There also, though, is no critic score, like, anywhere for this. Like, I think it was reviewed on Variety, and even then I couldn't find a score. I just found, like, a very short blurb. So I don't know if this isn't as well-known, which it probably isn't, and that's why it has such a good or has such a better score than Austin Land because the core audience that are seeing it are more inclined to like it, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Julia, why don't you walk us through the characters? Because most of these are characters that we don't really know yet. Absolutely, I will. So let's start with the titular character, Jane Austen, our dear Jane. She was played <laughs> She was played by Olivia Williams, who you might have seen. She plays Mrs. Darling in uh, the Peter Pan films. She plays Countess Vronsky in Anna Karenina. And she also plays Liza Winter in Manhattan. So she has done quite a lot of work, especially in UK TV shows. So let's talk about our girl, Jane, and Olivia's portrayal of her. One thing that we referenced is that some of us didn't love the way that she was portrayed. And Jane, throughout this movie, is in her 30s, going on her 40s. We get to see little flashbacks of loves and loves lost. And Jane is solidly at a point in her life where she's not really looking for love anymore. She's kind of reached old maid status, sadly, in the time period, but she is still very flirtatious and very sarcastic. But we learn about Jane that when she was young, she had a love that she could have married, but she did not because he didn't have any money. And he pops back in her life because he's really good friends with her brother and makes a couple of appearances and makes it clear that even though he's moved on and he's married, he still definitely holds a torch for Jane. And his name is Reverend Brooke Bridges. We also learn that later on in Jane's life, she was proposed to by a man with a whole lot of land, Harris Big. And that's kind of how we start the movie, watching Jane accept a proposal from this man. But we learn that Jane, while she accepted the proposal, the next day went back and rejected the proposal at the urgence of her sister, Cassandra, because she didn't really love him. And that is something that her family, especially her mother, in some ways holds against her because she could have kept her family comfortable by marrying this rich man, but she chose not to marry him because she didn't love him. So what did you guys think about this depiction of Jane by Olivia Williams? I liked her acting and I liked how she personally portrayed it. I think the biggest problem I have with Jane in this film is how the film portrayed her just kind of as like money hungry. Like I felt like that was a bigger driving point in the entire film than her wanting to be published for the sake of her loving writing or something or her wanting to make her family comfortable like 
she almost was like fixated on the money, which I guess I could kind of see, but they like, it was too on the nose about it for me, for me to be comfortable about it, if that makes sense. It's interesting that you kind of read it that way, because that was one thing I was planning on discussing. This film made me feel so much for Jane, um, because I felt like part of her drive to write it, it was hindered from being a romantic pursuit because she was so focused on caring for especially her sister and her mom and later her brother because her brother Henry, who uh, her brothers, you know, helped them out. But Henry's a banker and his bank kind of basically goes broke. So not only is she caring for her sisters and mom, she's also caring for her brother financially. And I read Jane's pursuit of money, totally her trying to provide for her sister and her mom. And it also kind of broke my heart because I felt like I could tell there was even more pressure that she felt because she had denied that proposal because she didn't love Harris big. So I felt really bad for Jane that so much of her life was spent trying to just provide when in reality, if she had been a man, she probably would have had more than enough money to provide. Yeah, I, I read it a similar way because I was thinking of her wanting to get more money for her books and her thinking about money and worrying about money being more that she wanted to provide and prove that she could take care of herself and take care of her family and also that her work was worth something that it was valuable um I think that if she was really pursuing money then she would have gotten married to that really wealthy man yeah I think that that's basically how I read it I agree that that's what her motivation was I just don't think the film really portrayed it in a way that made it easy for me to see it like looking back on the film Thematically, I can see that's the answer to like why all those things happened and why she's talking about money and like the pricing and working with Henry and, you know, that outburst that her mother has at the end, which like, okay, talk about a psychopathic mother. Um, but I just feel like they made her seem like she was going after the money more for selfish reasons, I guess you could say, than more out of her wanting to support her family and like support herself as like a woman it just it the light that they shown that aspect in I didn't really like yeah it's it's so interesting that we saw Jane almost two entirely different ways in the movie because I I felt just so bad for her the whole time um so it's really interesting that you saw it that way. The one portrayal of Jane that I saw that didn't sit well with me was actually totally unrelated to money in general. It was kind of related to the sarcastic, flirty nature of Jane. Um, at one point, we didn't mention this in our summary, but Jane goes and is with Henry trying to find a publisher, her brother, and, and Henry gets sick. So she goes to find a doctor and then he just winds up kind of hanging at the house a lot. And it's very clear from letters that we see from Jane to Cassandra that Jane really likes this guy and is like pretty much falling in love with him. And then Fanny comes to hang out with them and the doctor clearly takes an interest in Fanny and Jane gets like really upset and kind of throws a fit with Fanny Franny? Fanny? Fanny. Sorry. And I just felt like that seemed very, I don't know, very out of character for me. Um, from the history research that I did, spoiler alert, that was not based in any reality uh, that, or evidence. And so I just did not like that addition to her life because I, I felt like it just seemed odd and again, out of character for her, especially because the movie made it pretty clear that she and Fanny were pretty close. And so that felt like an unnecessary conflict to add. Yeah, I think most of my problems were with her character. She just was like, she was really, really hard, like hardened, which I, makes sense in a lot of ways to be unmarried and to have to support your family and all of that. But it felt like she was really hard to get to know as a character. And then also the like extreme flirtatiousness, the like kind of swinging from points of like 
really feeling herself to like really low points. It just made it hard to like her as a character. And I was a little bit disappointed in that because I don't know that it really was the best accurate, the most accurate representation of like what her personality was really like. Also, she just seemed like the way that she talked a lot of times seemed really literary and like they're trying to make her sound a certain way. And I didn't like that either. I agree that they definitely almost tried to make her like super flirty as a depiction of her inner English wit, I guess, for her writing prowess. But I don't think you have to be a extreme flirter to prove that you have the wit that it took to write Pride and Prejudice. Well, let's move on then to her niece, Fanny, who's played by Imogen Poots. And Imogen Poots has been in a couple of things, a couple of British TV shows, and she was also in Jane Eyre as Blanche Ingram in the 2011 Jane Eyre, so that's fun. Fanny, again, is Jane Austen's niece and the daughter of Edward, and I couldn't help but wondering if Mansfield Park, the title character, was named after her. But Fanny is Jane's niece who's searching for love, and she goes to Jane because she wants advice and guidance. Uh, Her mother is dead and so she goes to Jane for the romantic advice. At the beginning of the movie she's interested in a man named Mr. Plumtree who's played by the illustrious Tom Hiddleston. Laurie I know you enjoyed that. (laughs) And Jane is just urging Fanny to make sure that she is marrying for love. So as the movie goes on we figure out that Fanny really didn't love Mr. Plumtree. She just really loved the idea of marriage. Uh, As we mentioned Jane then later is uh, interested in a doctor who's caring for her brother. And when Fanny meets him, she kind of flirts with him a little bit. But ultimately, Fanny winds up with a widower with five children. And the movie kind of ends with their marriage. How did you guys feel about Fanny? I liked her acting, um, but I felt like I was almost watching an Emma portrayal in this film which was really weird. It was a little uncomfy. I'm not going to lie. I didn't get that at all until you said that, but I could see a lot of Emma in her, I feel like. Um, And I did like her. I thought she did a really good job. Actually, she just like totally embodied that character for me. So I really liked it. thought she did a good job of playing someone that age. He really wanted to get married and he loved her aunt. I did think that the relationship between Fanny and Jane was a little bit odd. Um, They were like incredibly close and then got really mad at each other and argued a lot. And I didn't love that part of it. But I think at the end, you really did get to see like her deep love for her aunt. And overall, I thought it was uh, a really good, a good depiction of that character. And also just... It it was really interesting, though, at the end of the film, they made it seem like it was more about Fanny than it was about Jane, which I thought was a little bit odd. Mm -hmm. They also, at the end of the film, I got the impression, I don't know about y'all, that she married the widower for security and not for love, like Jane, like she hears Jane saying in the film. So I'm I'm confused. Maybe y'all saw it different. We're shaking our heads at that. <laughs> it's because she does say to Cassandra, Jane's sister, that he, that her husband tells her that he's never happier than when he's with her. And she's super excited by that. So I really do think she loves him. Okay, maybe I just missed that. I also noticed the Fanny-Emma comparison, though, Lori. And that was one of the reasons that I was getting Shakespeare in Love vibes, because I felt like Fanny could be a person who inspired the character of Emma because that is the novel that Jane is in the process of writing as the movie begins. So I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, Jane and Fanny had a very interesting relationship. And as Beth and Lori alluded to, their fight, when Mr. Plumtree gets engaged, he winds up getting engaged to another woman. Sad yikes. Uh, Fanny really blames Jane. And it's really mean. And it was kind of a tough hang for a little while there. Um, 
And I did not like the way that Fanny reacted. I thought it was really immature, but to be fair, she was also very young. So I don't know that it was necessarily inaccurate. One thing uh, that you mentioned, Beth, was that you felt like the movie was maybe making it seem like it was more focused on Fanny. And I almost saw the movie kind of book ending with Fanny finding, uh, Fanny searching for love and then Fanny finding love that this movie wasn't really about Fanny or Jane. It was about Fanny finding the truth in Jane's life because Mm -hmm. she kept asking Jane about her love life and just wanted to know all these secrets, which is part of the reason that we get all those flashbacks about Jane's life. And then in the end, Fanny is married and she kind of gets the truth of Jane's life from overhearing a fight that Jane has with her mom and then later from having a discussion with Cassandra where Cassandra is burning all of Jane's letters and mm-hmm. anyway I just felt like the movie was almost through the eye Jane through the eyes of Fanny so that's kind of how I took that I can see that so we alluded to the handsome doctor that Jane is interested in Dr. Harris is played by Jack Huston, who played Jack Kerouac in Kill Your Darlings and Pete Moussen in American Hustle. He's been in a lot, y'all. So Dr. Harris is the doctor that comes to care for Jane's brother, Henry, when he's sick. And he he actually hooks Jane up with an appointment with the Prince Regent's librarian as she's trying to get Emma published. And they just have kind of a nice little relationship. He appreciates Jane's wit and they flirt a lot. Um, But then he just, after he takes an interest in Fanny, just kind of disappears out of the movie and we never really see him again. So what did you guys think of that angel of a man? Jane's words, not mine. (laughs) Dr. Harris, played by Jack Houston. I thought that part was strange. Mm -hmm. It just was, I was confused as to where he was working at first because there were like sick people everywhere. I was like, is this a hospital of some sort? And then his interest in Jane seemed really strange. Seemed weird to me that he would have read her books. He started coming around all the time. Like it just was really weird. And then he just like dropped out of the movie, like you said. And there was no resolution there. And I I don't know. It felt weird. And if you said that didn't happen in real life, then like what was the point of that? I just don't understand. I didn't like it, I guess. Honestly, I feel like it was to make Jane's life even more tragic for us because I think they thought that if we showed her still searching and interested in potentially love at 30 or 40 then we would feel like Jane did leave something behind and that she didn't just choose to be single so she could write you know yeah I didn't like his character either I don't like this addition it feels kind of gross to me I don't know I definitely got the impression for a hot second um when Henry's maid I guess I'm not really sure what she is um yeah housekeeper uh basically tells Jane oh he's really young I hope he doesn't like kill Henry um that something bad was gonna happen or that they were gonna take this movie in like a weird turn um but then he doesn't so then I got this weird feeling that maybe they were adding like a weird con artist swing to it Mm -hmm. but then he vanished so like why would you add the plot point if you weren't gonna tie it up before the movie ended I think that was just to make sure that we knew yes this guy looks young and he is young so he's a younger man that Jane's just flirting with but I totally agree with you guys I did not like this character I didn't really like this addition I felt like he was there to just kind of further the plot, and like you guys said, it didn't add a whole lot to me. So one character that did add a lot, whose presence I did enjoy, was Reverend Brooke Bridges, who was played by Hugh Bonneville, who you guys probably know as playing Robert Crowley in Downton Abbey. Now, Reverend Brooke Bridges is the man we mentioned earlier who proposes to Jane early on in life and does not marry her because they would have absolutely no money. Eventually, he 
does wind up marrying someone else, but he tells Jane a couple of times during the movie that he definitely regrets it and still loves her. So what do you guys think of Reverend Brooke Bridges, played by Hugh Bonneville? Hugh Bonneville carried the film, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> he did such a good job, and Ben and I really liked him. He was our favorite character. He was so good in that role. Like, he's really good on Downton Abbey, and I really like him in Downton Abbey, but I just really liked seeing him here, because I'm always used to seeing him as, like, a dad or just, like, an older character that's disconnected from romance. So I thought he did a really good job of portraying him in a way that felt honest and real to life. He had this line uh, and about just uh, being... He was so sad, and he just was asking Jane basically to tell him that she regretted not marrying him and he's just he did such a good job at playing like the persecuted lover i loved it yeah he did and i don't know i did think that part was a little bit strange at the end when he kind of comes up to jane and is trying to get her to admit her feelings and regrets i didn't really like that i kind of wish that they had just like had like a more tender moment that was more subtle I don't know. It felt weird. Like, he's still married. It's been a really long time. Um, And maybe it's supposed to tie it back to, like, Jane's earlier comment about how it's better not to get married to someone than to be married to someone and be pining for someone else. But I still thought that part was a little bit strange. I don't know. I kind of disagree. I thought it was sweet. Um, (laughs) I definitely liked his character the most out of everyone in this entire film. I think he did this really kind of amusing but tender thing of showing you, yes, he cares about his wife and his family that he currently has, but also he's still fond of Jane and he still does like her. So you kind of don't hate him for that, which I feel like in other films, I'd be like, dude, you are married. You need to like knock it off. But in this, I don't know. I didn't feel that way. And I think most of it is from his way of acting. Like, you can tell that he sees reality. Um, Like, he calls out Jane at one point at the beginning of the film saying, I don't think your influence on Fanny is a good thing. Um, Which kind of, like, shocks Jane and sends her into a fit. Yeah, he's... I really liked his acting the best out of this. Definitely... 10 out of 10 sweet moments well i think it'd be great if we could talk about jane austen's real life a little bit because i was filled with questions the whole time and i know julia did some research hoping you can answer some questions for us about you know who are these characters what's their significance and how much is it actually related to real events yeah so there were definitely certain characters who related to real life characters in Jane's life. So Reverend Brooke Bridges is pretty closely related to a man named Tom Lafroy, who was in Jane's life from a young age. They fell in love, but he was in school and he didn't have any money and Jane didn't have any money either. So his family basically removed him from Jane's presence and he never proposed, but we have evidence that they loved each other. So he was Jane's love that she had to leave behind because he didn't have any money, which is so sad. So he's very similar to Hugh Bonneville's character. Then later on in life, she was proposed to by Harris Bigwither, whom Harris Big, Harris Bigwither, he was a man that had a lot of money, a lot of land. He was very well respected and he proposed to Jane. And just like in the movie, with Harris Big, Jane accepted. Then Cassandra convinced her to go back on it. And so the next day, Jane goes to him and says, sorry, I can't marry you because she didn't love him. So even though in the moment she accepted because she knew there were so many practical advantages to this match, she would be able to care for her mom and sister and family for the rest of their lives. She knew that she couldn't marry for love, just like none of the characters in her novels can marry without love. And in that way, she really reminded me of like kind of almost like a Charlotte 
Elizabeth Combo from Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. because she's kind of got she's like Charlotte in that she knows that she needs to accept Mr. Collins's proposal because she's a burden on her family. But then she's also like Elizabeth, who even though she knows she's a burden, she knows she can't marry for love. So I thought that was an interesting tie in. Something I thought at the end of the movie was really interesting, kind of tying this little bit in a bow here. Um, that Julia, you might be able to sparkle some knowledge on because I couldn't find it, is at the end of the film, Jane is really, really sick and Cassandra is taking care of her. And they're kind of talking about all of Jane's past loves while Fanny is listening, um, kind of behind a door. And Cassandra definitely makes it seem, at least in this film, like she convinces Jane to break off the engagement because Cassandra likes him and that she did it almost selfishly. See, that's what Ben thought too, was that Cassandra wanted to be with Harris. But I think, I think what I interpreted it as is that Cassandra didn't want Jane to get married and leave her. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, I was honestly waffling between both of those interpretations. I was like, hmm, does she like him? But then towards the end, and then with the way they ended the movie, I felt like it was a Cassandra doesn't want Jane to leave her because the movie kind of ends. And honestly, you guys, I felt like at the end of this movie, I I said to Austin, it's not the loves we have, it's the sisters we love along the way. Because I felt like it was kind of revealed to Fanny that no, she didn't have a great romantic love, but she and her sister had this kind of deep abiding love for each other. And so that's how I kind of read that moment. But in reality, it seems that Cassandra, based on some letters, I believe, Cassandra told Jane that she couldn't marry a man she didn't love. And so the reason Cassandra told her not to marry him because she knew she was just doing it for security and she couldn't see Jane go back on her own principles like that, if that makes sense. Okay, see, that makes sense and it definitely makes sense in the plot of the film, but just for like that brief second when Cassandra's like breaking down, she doesn't like truly explain that to the watcher. So I definitely was like, is it because she liked this guy? Because I can also see if... Cassandra was truly worried about Jane leaving her. If she's marrying this man with a butt ton of money and Cassandra and her parents don't have any income or at this point Cassandra and her mother, obviously Jane with all of the money is going to take care of them and move them in. So like in my mind that didn't click. I was like, oh, so this must be because she liked him. Anyway, I was wondering if there was any truth in the history. So... More on the truth and fiction in this film. As we mentioned, the doctor character totally falsified, at least from our knowledge. As some of you may know, Cassandra burned a lot of the letters that Jane wrote her after her death because she wanted to make sure that Jane's memory was preserved in a really good light and that their family was uh, portrayed well. And so she burned a lot of letters that I guess maybe had some... Uh, negative comments or maybe just scandalous thoughts of Jane that she was sharing with her sister, which I totally understand, but also is really sad. Um, And we actually see that happening at the end of the film. So that is something that is true. Another thing that I thought was really interesting was I read that uh, Henry, the brother who goes bankrupt, causes more stress on Jane to provide for her mother and sister. That did, in fact, happen. It was a stress for Jane. He was her publisher, her liaison, because she was a woman who couldn't go talk to other men about publishing. Um, One thing that is not true about this movie is people meet Jane and know that she is the author of Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, when in reality, her brother went and published her name as the author post-mortem. So no one knew Jane as an author until after her death, which I thought that was something that really would have changed the feel of the movie. So I wasn't sure why they changed that. And I didn't really love that change either. There's also with her being invited to the Prince Regent librarian's house, it was a really cute scene, but it definitely wouldn't have happened. Well, okay. So actually I have a little bit of uh, Jane history on that note that 
actually is kind of interesting librarian to a librarian topic here. Um, but yes, that plot point of everyone knowing that she's the author, including this random doctor that they added for no apparent reason, knows she's the author of these books. Like, I can understand her family knowing and her niece knowing that she wrote these books. But, and maybe like, by extension, her niece's like romantic interest, you know, like I could get that. I could get behind that. But just random people that she's meeting all of a sudden is like quoting back her novels at her and like saying, like acknowledging the fact that Jane wrote these things. It's like, okay, that is not historically accurate. I'm sorry. That was just like a major point. Now, the whole thing about the Prince Regent inviting her um, or his librarian inviting her, that part is true. So he did, in fact, there was this whole thing. Uh, Jane hated the Prince Regent's librarian. They did not have a great relationship. He, of course, liked her um, because the Prince Regent liked her. But she... uh, did not have the best relationship with him because she did not like the Prince Regent. So that part was accurately portrayed in the movie. It's just like a weird, like little tidbit that they sprinkle in there that a random doctor could hook her up with the Prince Regent that I thought was weird though. Yeah. The whole part about everyone knowing her books really bothered me. Like one of the main things that stuck out that I thought was so strange. Well, the last little true fact from this movie is Fanny and Jane. And I don't know how close they were in real life, but I do know from letters that Fanny did ask Jane for romantic advice and that she did have an interest in a man earlier on in life who Jane told her, you know, don't marry if it's not for love, basically, which is pretty much what happens in the movie. And then we do know that later on in life, Fanny married a widower with five children. So it seems like Fanny's life was portrayed fairly accurately. And that's all I got. That was helpful. I really appreciated that to like get a better grasp on what was real and what wasn't. It's interesting how many things they fabricated. Oh, also, I forgot to mention the illness that she develops later is also real. She had uh, Addison's disease, I believe. Yeah, it's a bit debated exactly what um, she succumbed to in the end. I think there's a couple of different theories out there because, you know, doctors at that time, not not the best. We're still letting people's blood out of them at this point in history, people. Okay, medical science, please advance. Um, but yes, I do think um, it was Addison's disease and then not typhoid but um, I think they think it's some sort of cancer that in the end eventually gets her. Well, I think we all have some quite different opinions on this film. I know Julia liked it. I'm kind of in the middle and Beth did not like it. So, ladies, what were your make it or break it's? I'm interested. I have two break it's. The first one is the cinematography. There is a lot of really weird shots some cuts that were strange um, during the scene that we mentioned with Fanny and the doctor and Jane, where he, his attention starts focusing on Fanny kept showing all of their lips and their eyes, which I really didn't like. It was very strange. Um, but the absolute worst and weirdest thing was at the beginning of the movie, they're traveling through the countryside and I look up oh. and Jane is holding <laughs> up a blanket and I'm just assuming that Fanny was going to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Just like a really strange thing to include. And they're just having a conversation while Jane holds up a blanket to shield her. And Fanny's doing her thing. It was just really weird. I did not like it. Um, My make it was Hugh Bonneville. I thought he just did such a good job. And I loved every second it he was on screen. What about y'all? My break it was Dr. Hayden. He was fictitious. There's no basis in real life for his existence in the movie. I didn't like the side he brought out of Jane, honestly. And so I really didn't like his character at all. Uh, So I think that was definitely my break it. 
my make it was I've talked about this so much but getting to see potential inspirations for Jane's novels and just getting a little insight into her life the stresses that she was under with uh, making money for her family the sadness that she could have felt while living vicariously through her heroines with happy endings it all just it really moved me and I loved getting to learn more about her life even though some of it was fake. My break it uh, was the fact that this movie made me incredibly sad. Um, I don't do well with sad films so you know that 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 just you know broke the film for me. Uh, in addition to that the historical inaccuracy of everyone knowing that Jane Austen wrote all of her novels in the time period really took it out there for me like I did not like that uh what made this film for me primarily I guess were the 25 30 minutes that Tom Hiddleston was in this film um that really brightened up you Mm -hmm. know I love his acting I love him as a person but I also love his acting and I think he did a really great job both him and Hugh Bonneville do this really good job of playing like a man in love I guess Tom you can definitely tell that you know he's a young excited guy um who really does love this girl and i i believed it i love his acting he's so young oh my gosh he's a baby who would you date from this film Lori? i'm gonna shock you (laughs) okay this is kind of like a weird two-part split but you'll understand what i mean if i'm going based on the character in the movie then i'm gonna date bridges yeah Mm. Okay. I understand. Okay. I understand that. Okay. Now, if I'm going to date based on the actor, I'm going to date Tom Hilston. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. Because let's let's think about it. I'm not going to date uh, the man who's not going to dance on the Lord's Day. Um, it was a whole thing during Fanny and Plumtree's brief romance was, you know, he is really, really dedicated to, you know, not doing anything wrong on Sundays, you know, on the Lord's Day, so he's not going to dance, and it's after midnight, Mm -hmm. so that's it's Sunday. That would not fly for me. Okay, we're having fun. And then, you know, eventually he does break. But, you know, Bridges is having a good time all the time, and that's that's what I need. A good, caring man who knows how to dance. So now that we're done with my dating choices and if we actually enjoyed this film, uh, Julia, did you enjoy your beverage are you done yes i am done my merlot was very good as Lori, as you shocked some tea drinkers i'm gonna shock some wine drinkers tonight i'm not gonna lie all red wines taste the same to me pretty much so (laughs) this was no different it was good it was uh red so I would recommend, but I don't know how seriously you should take my recommendation. (laughs) But yes, I enjoyed it and it's gone. And I loved having this conversation with you guys. Beth, how was your drink? My decadent hot chocolate was really good. Um, I feel like I should mention that there was a lot of hot chocolate to alcohol ratio. (laughs) I'm using a really, really big mug, but no, it was really good. And I did finish it. This is just like a classic wind down beverage for me. Um, when Ben and I first got married, it was the winter time and I was stressed because I had to move and start a job and it was a lot. And so I was drinking one of these like every night, (laughs) happy to say I'm not there anymore, but it's just very nice. And I think that I'm going to sleep really well tonight and looking forward to my brother coming and visiting us tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. We'll definitely put that recipe on the Insta, you guys. So be watching out for that. Yeah, very complicated. Very, very (laughs) complicated. What about you, Lori? How was your tea? Well, um, you're a very poorly made tea. (laughs) Stop attacking me. I feel bad about it. For heaven's sakes, I love the Brits. And this is like, I'm cursing you. I'm so sorry. I'm sad to report there's a little bit left in my mug, um, but it is only because I despise cold tea. I can't really drink it. Like, I'm not an iced tea girl ever. Um, so there's, like, one one mouthful left. Okay, so I'm not 
not wasting it. It is very good. I would recommend this um, Tazo tea if you do like fruit teas, though. Wow. So you've really offended the English. <laughs> and then with saying you don't like iced tea, also very much offended the <laughs> Southerners. Wow. Okay. Okay. I have no shame in doing that. Okay. Listen, sweet tea. I'm sorry. I do not like it. And that's coming from a girl who puts a lot of sugar in her coffee. Oh, my gosh. That's just a shame. A huge shame. (laughs) Well, I think I owe the listeners a really important update on the Starbucks situation. Oh, yes. A couple of weeks ago, Julia and somewhat Lori recommended (laughs) a drink from Starbucks. It was the brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso. And I'm happy to report that I tried it this weekend and wow. I loved it. It was so, so, so Yay. good. Yeah. I definitely must have gotten like a not made correctly version. I will say I got that. At the same time, Ben got the almonds milk chocolate shaken espresso and it was absolutely disgusting. Like Ooh, drinking <laughs> water mixed with milk. Very bad. So <laughs> I wonder if I, I could only... that on accident. I don't know. I I can only like partially recommend Starbucks in general because of that experience. (laughs) I I think Starbucks drink preparation is erratic at best. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that it really worked out for the best because the guy who was taking our order didn't really know what he was doing. He seemed like he was new. Maybe like he was in training and there wasn't a lot of supervision. And so he didn't actually charge us full price. Ben got uh, like a medium and I got a small and he charged us $2 per drink and it's supposed to be like $6. (laughs) So (laughs) we lucked out. You got a deal. Yeah, it worked out really nice since Ben didn't really like his thing. All right, y'all. Well, we had a lot of fun today talking about what we liked, what we hated, what was okay, what was inaccurate about the BBC miniseries slash film slash one episode television show <laughs> miss austin regrets um if you liked this episode please rate and review us on apple podcasts you can follow us on instagram keep up with what's going on we are at sips and sensibility pod and you can like us on facebook our page is sips and sensibility we would love for y'all to follow along with us all right y'all are you ready to hear what we're watching next time I think it's pretty clear because we kind of mentioned it at the beginning of this. Um, But next time we are going to be watching Becoming Jane, which may I just say as a random side note, um, Anne Hathaway is very well cast to look like a younger version of... um, Of Olivia Wilson? Yeah, of Olivia Wilson. Like, it's very good casting. I don't know who is in charge of that. These came out in the same year, which is really interesting. Oh, then casting had to be looking at that. Anyway, good job on their part. Good job, casting directors. Anyway, you can you can watch this on Amazon Prime with a free Cinemax trial. Um, so if you have Hulu and Cinemax, you can also watch it on Hulu with Cinemax, if that makes sense. I have it on DVD. You can always go old school. That is true. Definitely got rid of our DVD player. So how I'm going to watch it is questionable at this point. Mm, That is unfortunate. Also, check out your local library. They might have it. Let me just, you know, plug my occupation there. (laughs) Until next time, keep on sipping, y'all.